0: Hey, 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 man! What's going on? What's going down?
1: Oh, it's been a—it's uh, been quite a week. It's been one of those weeks. Really? What's going it on? Took took a sick day yesterday. Just uh, not feeling my best. Just the magic isn't happening. You know. <laughs> what, what? When does the magic happen, anyway? Oh, sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's a slog. Yeah, I so hear you. So tell me, uh, you you finished up curling season. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, well, I know it's officially done because I spent two hours power washing the concrete pad that we, we build the ice on, that we freeze. Cause, so the ice um, is all, all gone. Well, it's water now. It's, wow. <laughs> yeah, it took uh, about two weeks to melt or a little less than two weeks. But, you know, you use a pigmentation to make it white like on a hockey rink as well. And it's really, oh, it's uh, cloudy. Yeah, it's – what's that? It's, you make it, it. hadn't occurred to me. You have to make it cloudy. Well, you make it white. Um, the ice is clear, but you you once you get a, a fairly flat surface, you paint the ice white, and you spray. Uh, uh, it's a powder that's just suspended in a liquid, and you spray it on with this atomizing giant atomizing thing, and then the paint doesn't even dry; it just kind of freezes. And then you huh. you you lay more atomized water over that. So when you add a uh, lots of water with what we call a flood um it doesn't wash away the white pigmentation and and the colors anyway so yeah so you once the the water all melts you're left with um all this powder, the pigmentation left on the surface of the concrete so Bizarre. we were all madly power washing and squeegeeing and we have these giant drains that we can reveal we pull up the wa- the boards that you walk on on the ends of the sheets and there's these gigantic drains under there that are hidden normally and then suddenly we've got these four foot wide squeegees and there's five people squeegeeing the water into the <laughs> into the drain so yeah it's officially done and uh, another another sign that curling is over is the world championships which took place in Switzerland this year are over. And of course, Canada won. They usually win. They're pretty good up there in the great white north. Yeah. U.S. team, not so good. Finished at four wins, seven losses. You know, I mean, we have good curlers, you know, in this second. This country is second in curlers to Canada. So you'd think we'd be knocking at their back door in, in these events, but we don't. I don't know why. In fact, Mm. um, one of the guys from my club was was at the Worlds. He was the fifth guy. Like, there's four guys on a curling team, and he was there as kind of coach. And if somebody got injured or couldn't play or got sick – he would so have like been playing. The... Yeah, a guy named Matt Hames. He just moved to our area. He started curling out of uh, my club th- this season, and I actually curled on a team with him. He's really what do good. They call but... that like understudy if you're uh, yeah. ready to go on Broadway or something. Yeah, or in basketball, the sixth man. You know that kind of thing. He's a really, cool. really good curler, and uh, I just liked playing on the same team as him just to suck up knowledge. You know, I was just asking, I, I told him, I said, if I ask you too many questions, just tell me to shut the fuck up. But I mean, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions, you know?
1: So you've gotten some, uh, you've gotten some good tips from him.
0: Well, beyond tips, uh, it's ta- tactical knowledge, you know, because at the club level, the game is played a little differently than it is at the higher uh, levels of the game because they know they're going to make a higher percentage of their shots. And I wanted to learn a little bit about that aspect of the game as well, you know, what, what, why they would call a shot in this situation, you know, what they would call and why, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, I don't want to go on and on about curling. It's done. It's over with. Hopefully summer's coming.
1: So what do you do during the summer? You bike a lot?
0: Yeah, ride the bike. A lot of our listeners are familiar. During July, I uh usually give Tour de France updates and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> cool. You
0: know, I talk about yeah, sports to... that nobody in America likes, you
1: know, cycling, <laughs> soccer, and curling. I've got to get my bike down from the uh, hooks in the garage. I've got a a road bike and a mountain bike. I have a Lemond road bike that I really I used to enjoy and really enjoy riding, but I haven't discovered good places around here yet to ride. I'm sure there are some, but they're all places I think you have to drive to first. Mm. I do some of that. You can't just like head out the head out the door, which is what I used to do living in Ann Arbor. I used to just head out the door and do a 36 mile lap to Chelsea, you know, something yeah. like that. Well,
0: I've got to go about four miles before I'm at a place where. Uh, the risk of being run over by crazy city motorists is low, yeah. but that's not bad. Yeah, but Actually I have a bad. friend uh, who lives on the south side of the city, and I would have to ride on some you know pretty busy and dangerous roads to get to his house. I usually stick the bike in the car, meet him at his house, and uh, we'll we'll go uh, towards we'll head south. I live closer to the north side of the city, so heading north is what I usually do. So. Yeah. Anyway, today not too uh, not too much of a heavy hitting show. A bit of a news roundup.
1: Cover some some smaller topics, maybe not so deep.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know it's funny because we have some listeners in the UK and in Australia. No coincidence, I guess, since they speak uh, English there, and they tell me that they get you know a lot of uh, interesting n- n- perspectives on our news, you know, from us because you know they get a quick headline, you know, um, right. You know, in the UK or in in Oz, and uh, you know they get a little bit of a different uh, different take on the news. Well, we talked about the Trayvon Martin shooting, killing, murdering, whichever word you prefer.
1: There's been a yeah, there's been a news about that just almost every day, and a lot of it turns out to be not so much news, but there finally is some real news, right? yeah they
0: finally charged Mr. Zimmerman with second degree murder, which is what
1: I was hoping and uh as opposed to manslaughter you weren't uh you didn't think they could uh make a case for first degree murder
0: mm, i i i don't know i I can't say I know the law that well, but I was hoping for murder versus
1: manslaughter. Versus manslaughter, so I think the the big difference i don't I'm not that familiar with Florida law having just kind of skimmed some articles but uh I think the difference is uh premeditation is that a part of it i I think it
0: Yes, <laughs> and you know I what what is that thing they put on the like the internet? I I a n i a l I am not a lawyer. You know, whenever they give a, I am not a lawyer. Yeah, I a n a l I a Yeah. I-A-N-A-L, I-anal. <laughs> Uh, don't know actually. Florida law can't say that I know New York State law when it comes to murders that well. But apparently,
1: it ha- hasn't really been an issue very often. Yeah, in Yeah, yeah. The
0: two people yeah. I murdered, I they didn't even they they just indicted somebody else and they went to jail good, for life. Good. But good. um, yeah, don't know what the differences are. But I think premeditation is the murder. And you and I were chatting on the internet yesterday, and you asked how long does one have to think about it before it's premeditated? And <laughs> there probably is a standard for that, but it's probably just wondering. More, you know, should it ever come up on this end here. But it's probably more than five minutes, you know, which is probably how long his premeditation, if you will, was Mr. Zimmerman's.
1: My my best guess, having uh, looked at some articles, is that they'll start with second-degree murder, but it will probably get knocked down to manslaughter. Just because some of these technical requirements, somewhat vague requirements, may not be met. They may be able to knock some of that down a little bit. But manslaughter is still no joke. You know, he could be in jail for a long time.
0: Well, I, I heard, you know, all the news networks get legal consultants on, you know, and talk to them about this. and. One of the legal consultants I heard on CNN or something last night said either the prosecution is aware of some evidence we're not aware of where they think they might be able to make second-degree murder stick or they're hoping to scare the piss out of him so that he'll take a plea, a guilty uh, manslaughter.
1: That was basically what the – Common wisdom,
0: yeah, common wisdom was saying yesterday.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't be nothing, you know, it it wouldn't be nothing. I think it would still be, still set an example. It would still be a good uh, cautionary warning, I think, for people who might want to try and hide behind this stand your ground sort of thing. Yeah, and that
0: that was a big discussion on talk of the nation, I think, today. They were addressing The the, uh, the law itself and talking
1: quite a bit about that. Described as a, a license to kill, essentially, and yeah. then claim after the fact that you were standing your ground.
0: Yeah, and again, it it came down to them asking the question that I kind of asked, you know, why would you want to stand your ground? Uh, why wouldn't you run if you thought an aggressor was coming at you or something? And again, the, I'm I'm forced to conclude that you would only stand your ground if you had a gun and you wanted to use it like some sort of cowboy, which is why I would argue that the law was passed and why it was supported by well this is
1: kind of what i was getting at in our previous chat when i said is this really about the gun and yeah maybe in some senses it's not but in the sense that that uh nobody would have died you know and that he would not have provoked this confrontation if he didn't feel emboldened by having a gun to back him up
0: well right Um, in in that discussion i said you know if if i can't deny the logic of the argument that if he didn't have a gun he wouldn't have been able to kill Trayvon Martin with a gun. But at the same time, <laughs> it's, it's to me, the law is just messed up you know, this particular law. I mean, many laws are messed up, but that stand-your-ground law It's not messed just seems...
1: up, but, but it's not clear that it really even ever should have been invoked to apply to this particular set of circumstances.
0: And, oh, by the way, uh, Zimmerman's attorney has already said uh, he will be using the stand-your-ground... Uh, apparently, in, in a case like this, it goes in front of a judge for a hearing before a trial, and they determine whether or not self-defense or... The stand your ground law, whether this was a legal Uh, use of self-defense, if you will. So Mm -hmm. I guess there is a hearing coming up, I don't know when, where the judge is going to have to make that call, whether uh, this was a legal use of force or not, either based on self-defense or based on the Stand Your Ground law. But Zimmerman's attorney, who I saw on TV yesterday, did announce today on the radio I heard him saying that he would be using the, the Stand Your Ground defense. But I'm not even sure you can call it the Stand Your Ground defense because in that hearing, if it was determined that it was legal... I think
1: Zimmerman c- could possibly be freed even before it goes to trial. So, That's, yeah, I, it seems like the standard ought to be that, you know, if if you kill someone, that you you are detained. Well, you know, he is, if they, they
0: didn't seek bail. I mean, he is
1: detained. Okay, you know, but, you know, but I'm, know, I'm I mean, not even at the talking beginning. about that. I mean, this could well, be I dismissed. I mean, on, on day one. Right. On day one when the police say that you are detained, and if they determine later— that, you know, there's enough reasonable doubt that they don't think they can, you know, charge you with this or that, you know, you get an apology and a handshake and have a nice day or whatnot. But, you know, he uh, there was some speculation that he, he had fled Florida, you know, and he's been wandering around. But apparently he, he didn't website. because he turned himself in right away, you know. Okay. But he, he had lost contact with his attorneys, and he was apparently decided he, he has a backup career as a, as a conservative pundit now. Well, and he a web having, designer. <laughs> yeah, he was having an interview with uh, Hannity, and I guess, did they leak that? I, I think they leaked that.
0: Well, uh, it was leaked that not. he called Hannity, but I don't know if Hannity actually used any of this stuff on the air. That's unclear to me.
1: Yeah. Hannity
0: did acknowledge that he did speak to Zimmerman on the phone and that uh, any of their conversation would not be repeated by him. I did hear Hannity say that. Well, he might not have a
1: choice if they – I mean, I think legally he's on shaky ground to right. be having a conversation with a murder suspect and then claiming confidentiality. But, well, you know, yeah, whether I, or
0: not he can be compelled is another matter. But I think he yeah. said, for the, in the meantime, you know, until that, yeah. basically, he was saying he wasn't just going to blab what what they talked about.
1: Well, but, again, um, you know, I, I anal.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> we are so not that. a lawyer, wannel. But yeah. the as far as yeah, he should have been detained. And not been free for these last forty-five days. But one thing that was interesting is that his lawyer was not seeking bail because they, I think, they fear for him a little more on the outside than they do on the inside.
1: Sure. So
0: right. they won't be seeking bail. So I think he will remain in custody uh, until these it's, hearings and uh, it goes to trial and whatnot. It, so well, that's it good seems news to anyway. me. That
1: yeah, it seems to me that if they had kept him. If they had had him in custody, I think maybe the public, even if there was a long delay before getting a trial going, people are used to that. But not having him even in custody was really uh, inflaming public opinion, especially as it dragged on.
0: Yeah, at the same time, I was expecting a little more public outcry in the form of angry protests or something, and that really didn't happen, which is great. But uh, so I think the public comported themselves pretty well uh, on the whole, despite a forty-five day window between the killing and the apprehension, if you will.
1: I my I, I will agree with you when the verdict is announced, and then we'll see. You know if everyone is still able to. To be civil, no matter what the verdict is. Well, I can't read but, the future, so. but that'll be the real test of whether the public is taking it civilly or not.
0: Well, of course, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah if I could read the future, I'd I'd be in Curacao right now on a beach, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> sipping a sipping a margarita and making fun of those people in New York State where it's cold. These silly podcasters, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so.
1: anyway, you want to play a song?
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into this one. We played him. Because it's Billy in The Psychotic, so it must be a hymn, right?
1: (laughs) This is DJ Ranger Den and Billy's Little Trip in a a group that they they do songs for songwriting contests.
0: Yeah, so let's check this one out. track it is it's got punk-ish. a punkish but yeah i was just gonna you stole my words it's got a very <laughs> punk flavor you know kind of old school punk sort of flavor
1: with better production <laughs> better production values yeah yeah uh that's uh we heard a previous track from uh, billy and the psychotic so i'm working my way through they're still producing stuff and also in various you know these people get together they do their one group for one song and then they're another group for another song and different. They kind of recombine like DNA constantly.
0: Yeah. She, uh, what was her name? DJ Ranger Den.
1: DJ Ranger Den. You put
0: me in contact with her on Facebook. So I, we friended one another and she, pop-up chatted me right away and she was like yeah I've been looking at your Facebook page but I didn't want you to think I was a stalker or anything <laughs>
1: <laughs> glad to hear it well I don't know no, no. I don't even
0: know why she would be even interested in my Facebook page anyway you know how many friends well, do you have on Facebook
1: because I had talked about you oh, oh I remember yeah. that Yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm, uh, I'm spreading spreading the Facebook love well that's alright yeah we had a nice little
0: chat <laughs> she's actually really nice so uh, in the words of my friends on the old Battlestar Galactica and even the new Battlestar Galactica, what the
1: frack is going on? I wish I could tell you, but yes, fracking is going on all the time. U.S. Geological Survey, USGS, uh, recent study,
0: very recent, I think, released and commented on on a lot of websites and blogs that aren't uh, inhabited by people like Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Uh, talking yeah. about hydraulic fracturing, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know the physics of it. I am not a geologist.
1: <laughs> no, IANAG. An... <laughs> I was going to say we have another IANAG or something.
0: IANAG, yeah, but they're actually linking fracking and the use of, you know, uh, pumping this high pressure water to fracture the shale with increased seismic activity. In the words yeah. of uh, the Ghostbusters crew, uh, in normal parlance, earthquakes.
1: Yeah, it's it's maybe not shocking that this can happen when uh, you realize all those different layers of rock down there, and that there are faults, and that they do blow apart these layers of rock in violent ways uh, deep under the ground. Yeah,
0: I always thought the seismic activity that was responsible for earthquakes was much lower and uh, harder to get at and harder to affect. But, I mean, we're messing up an entire layer of rock. And, I mean, you know, again, we get back to common sense. You know, when you start removing supports from stuff, stuff starts to collapse,
1: yeah, it's I guess probably the the big quakes are these these big plates grinding and getting stalled against each other. Right. But They've been maybe linking sm- these
0: to the smaller quakes.
1: Well maybe smaller shifts and things like that, things crumbling or or, or flexing. I mean it, could,
0: one of the examples uh was the quake they had it, where the epicenter was right outside of D.C. in Maryland, I think. Was it last summer? Yeah. And, you know, we had uh, the Washington Monument closed because of some, some fracturing, some lines uh, cracking in, yeah, uh, I, in the mortar. I'm not
1: sure if they've even fixed that, but then there was also the National Cathedral, too, suffered some damage. Yeah, so.
0: I think somebody actually might have even been hurt by that. I think, you know, a minor injury, but some of the plaster and some of the, uh, the granite... Uh, uh, what did you call them? The uh, gargoyle. The gargoyle type things fell, and it, as well as the Capitol building, some of the plaster from the rotunda, the the inside of the big dome. Uh, That's amazing. Collapsed, and you know when was the prior to that? When was the last time you heard of an earthquake in, in around DC? DC?
1: Yeah. DC is not known for its quakes. Yeah. And I mean, this is a a strange mess.
0: Yeah. And and I didn't mean to interrupt, but let me just say I I live in New York and we're near the Adirondacks. And occasionally there is an earthquake in the Adirondacks. And I felt one. I was working in the studio last year and the table started to move. You know, it was oscillating and it felt like a big, gigantic truck. Was driving in front of my house, and that's what I assumed it was because you know maybe we get a mild tremor every three years, very mild. But then uh, you know, twenty minutes later, the headline was already up that we we suffered a, a a small earthquake. But again. That's, there's yeah. precedent for that. That's not unheard of, but now they're
1: finding. I've been in a minor quake in Ohio. Yeah, uh-huh. A minor quake, you know. The only damage on uh, the campus of the school I went to was, I think, there was a little bit of cracking in the geology building. Ironically. Ironically, <laughs> yeah. but it, that was only, you know, that was a pretty low number. I've felt some medium-sized quakes in California.
0: Ah, yeah, I've not spent enough time in California to feel big, little, or medium quakes. But again, you know, we're finding a lot of—they are finding this seismic instability in and around areas where fracking is going on. So in addition to the normal reasons why you might want to oppose fracking,
1: because they're pumping— Yeah, your tap water catching on fire, plus yeah. all the undisclosed toxic chemicals they're pumping into the ground.
0: Yeah, who knows? Well, they might not be toxic, which is, of course, why they're not telling us what they are.
1: <laughs> of course. Have you, uh... Seen the documentary Gasland? I have not seen it yet. I
0: haven't seen that yet and it's, you know, a lot of our listeners will remember that I used to do a lot of uh, film reviews from the local indie house where they would normally show a film like that but because I did get into curling on Friday nights as my Friday night social activity I haven't really gone to those movies in a year and I'm a little embarrassed and ashamed to say that I haven't, especially since I have some coupons which would let me go see the movies for
1: free. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm ashamed too. We dropped Netflix. I used to watch that kind of thing on Netflix, it's so hard to get quiet time. But um, but I will I will watch. I'll, I'll make a pledge to watch the uh, documentary Gasland. Well, how about
0: this? Uh, actually, one thing we used to do on our program was we would we would have like I forgot what we called it, but we would have like a film fest, and we would say, okay, in the next couple weeks, we would encourage each other and our listeners to watch this movie. And then we could talk about it and then, you know, hopefully get a little more feedback from them if they
1: had sure. seen the film. So yeah, gas. It's been Land out for a while, yeah. It's not brand new, but I mean I think it's still very, very relevant. So
0: And you know what? I bet it's on BitTorrent, which is my movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> One of those evil hackers, Rich. Oh my god, put him mm. in jail. So yeah, that's definitely something uh something to look for and I don't know, I I if any of our listeners in uh, UK or Outer Mongolia or even uh, uh, Australia, down under. Are they doing any fracking in Europe? Are they doing any fracking anywhere else? I don't know. I would have to think they're trying to, right?
1: Someone's trying to. So send us a note if you if you're in Australia or from Europe. If uh, talk talk to us about your fracking experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because I'm terrified. You know, I a I don't want to drink carcinogens when I put a glass of water to my mouth, and B, I don't want to die in an earthquake. Yeah. So anyway, you want to jump into another track, another tunage? Let's play another tune. This is uh, a woman that I don't think I've played yet or we've played yet on the show. So uh, let's play this track, and uh, we'll talk about her a little bit after that.
1: All righty.
2: See the word.
0: So that's a pretty melancholy track. I think, what was the word you used to describe it? Maudlin? <laughs>
1: uh, maudlin, maudlin, maybe slightly. Not quite maudlin. Well, it, it's it I, close.
0: Maudlin has a bit of a negative, uh, too much yeah. of a negative connotation for me, but melancholy is, is the it, word that sums it up for me.
1: I thought it was it was kind of moving and i I really like the the singing it's 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 a great job singing
0: that is a an artist out of Asheville, North Carolina named Valerie Miller, who is the former girlfriend of a, a musician friend of mine, and he played the double bass parts on that track Mike is his name great this line's great. very
1: nice as well yeah yeah
0: he he did pizzicato and a little Arco, a little Boeing on that track. And uh, wonderful musician, one of the best uh, double bassists you'll ever hear. But she, I, when I, they sent me a copy of this record. I think two falls ago, ironically in autumn, and that song was called Autumn Eyes. And I, as soon as that song came in and she started singing, I became a fan. I mean, this record. The, first of all, the production on this record is phenomenal. Autumn Eyes. They did it at a, a real studio. They did it Do analog. I, am I
1: cr- yeah, I was going to say, am I correct in hearing a little bit of analog tape hiss there? Yeah, the... that was
0: done analog in a studio with like a, you know, an older Neve console, a nice mic catalog, a closet, you know, just, you know real top notch production and when I hear it I can hear it you know what I'm saying when I listen to the record I can hear it but I mean her songs are so strong and we'll play more of her in the future in fact I contacted her uh, two days ago to ask her if I could play this and she graciously said yes but she's also sending me her latest CD which was also recorded in another great studio and my friend Mike is playing bass on it on a few tracks as well Um, but you know her singing you were talking a little bit about her singing
1: Oh, yeah. She's got that sort of uh, breathy, slightly ethereal quality. Uh, it reminds me of a of a group called the Cranberries that I don't yeah. think they've been around for a while, but They're, I still They've got a new record them. coming
0: out, actually. I, I hinted at that on Facebook chat earlier, but they are.
1: The Cranberries, I'm going to have to look that up because I used to really like the Cranberries. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I sort think of, Valerie's
0: uh, a better singer than the, I, I forget her name, um, the singer
1: in the uh, Cranberries. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember. But what I was getting at is that sort of, just sort of ability to to jump octaves and that kind of breathy, you know, pushing a lot of air, sort of ethereal voice. Yeah. A little I bit mean, Enya. Maybe a little bit Enya ish as well.
0: When I hear her <laughs> when I hear her music, Valerie's music, I hear a little bit of the Appalachian Mountains, I hear a little bit of a Country, but not really, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. hearing a mix, a blend of a lot of interesting things, and it's mostly Appalachia, you know, the area where she comes from, and I'm a big fan of uh, Appalachian music that's more Appalachian, you know, real Appalachian music, and I definitely mm-hmm. hear that influence in her stuff, and I, I, I just think she's phenomenal. It's not often that I say I'm a fan of a musician or an artist, certainly usually not singer songwriters because I, I tend to listen to instrumentals more than anything, and I, yeah. I just think she's phenomenal phenomenal so yeah we'll, yeah, we'll check have out to some hear more. more
1: we'll have to hear more from her
0: yeah there's one of my my other favorite track on the album is ripped on my hard drive and just waiting to play in a in a future a future tune and i know you wanted to talk a little bit about fukushima and what's going on there the fuked up thing about yeah, fukushima
1: we call it we call it here in the potts house we call it a cluster fukushima oh yeah. good we're not good it is uh, you, you probably saw, I don't, I'm not sure if you saw, uh, Rachel Maddow did a segment in which she was talking about uh, the ghost ship that drifted from the Japanese coast. It was a decommissioned fishing boat that uh, was kind of, it was scheduled to be cut up for scrap, but it broke loose in the tsunami and now it's just made it into, I guess, Canadian coastal waters up in the Northwest. I actually did not
0: hear about that.
1: Well, they. She used this as a. The Coast Guard finally. They tried to uh, send out a fishing vessel to reel it in and and uh, and basically claim salvage rights, but they were not able to tow it. So the Coast Guard came out and blew it up with some big guns. They and blew it up, uh, really. Cut it into you know, smashed it up until it sank. The reason being that it had no lights on it, you know, it's just drifting, and it's a navigational hazard, especially you know at night when. And this was a Japanese it. vessel of some kind. I'm, I'm. Yeah, yeah, but she used this as a as a metaphor for you know, wouldn't it be nice if all our big problems like this could be solved with you know fifty caliber machine guns? <laughs> well, isn't that the way we usually solve our problems? But that, that's the way we try. But sometimes you just can't solve a problem, and this is the case with. Fukushima, we've got these reactors that are allegedly in cold shutdown, but uh, they don't have enough water in them. They're still hot in there. And then perhaps more disturbing and more troubling is this big spent fuel storage area that's supposed to have, you know, fifteen feet or more. I think of, of water in it, and has maybe two feet. Right. And they they need to get this situation stabilized because another big uh, quake or tsunami or even any heavy weather I think you know this stuff can be all exposed not I mean it's already the fuels already melted into the into the ground you know it's already leaking re- uh, contaminated water and radiation it's it's quite a mess right and, and you'd think we might be able to you know we have these uh, high-tech solutions we can send robots in to to poke around in there but I've also heard and I don't have confirmation of this, but that uh, we don't have any robotics that are capable of withstanding the level of hard radiation going on inside these enclosures. In other words, the radiation level is so extreme that it messes with the uh, control electronics with all the microcircuitry of sure. these robots. Sure. Yeah, it would
0: need to be incredibly hardened. I mean, when we send yeah. space probes into space, you know, they, their their CPUs are hardened right. from the amount of errant radiation that's, you know, just floating Cosmic around in, in space yeah. and I'm I'm I feel pretty secure in saying that when you're that close to a melted down nuclear core, you're you're being exposed to more radiation than you a would fine yeah. traveling
1: between the Earth and Mars. Right. Yeah, you you don't want the the thing to be uh, damaged by high energy single particles, these these cosmic rays. Uh, so you've got redundancy and you've got shielding and all that. But yeah, so we can't even get uh, good um, probes in there. We can't get so we send people in with dosimeters and they realize when they you know, get close to these cores and these uh, fuel storage units that they can't stay there for more than a couple minutes because they're going to exceed their safe exposure, their lifetime safe exposure probably to for radiation.
0: Well, uh, I think you were saying this, or I said it on Skype earlier, uh, Facebook, the nuclear energy, the gift that keeps on giving, you know?
1: Yeah, it definitely does keep on giving. And, and we've got this ability to create these problems that uh, we've sort of postponed into the indefinite future. We don't have the tech or, you know, even a good approach, a good solution to some of these things. And I'm not an absolute uh, anti-nuclear kind of guy. I I really would love to see uh, an era of clean nuclear, but I you know, but I've been become pretty jaded after accident after accident. I've really lost confidence that we have the ability to manage this kind of thing, especially when uh, profits are involved so heavily and it becomes uh, decisions are made putting uh, money ahead of safety.
0: Yeah, well, and as Fukushima showed us, Uh, and chernobyl and every other one before that just when we thought we've anticipated all contingencies we find that we haven't you know i mean you know mother nature is capable of dropping a big enough earthquake on a region where no buildings would survive i don't care how well they're built if mother nature wanted to you know and uh we just need to remember that
1: yeah so there's really, yeah, the places we've built our plants and where we think they're safe, they're not as safe as we think, and we may be capable of making ourselves a mess that we can't clean up anytime soon. Yeah. So,
0: Well, we'll have to uh, check that out a little more on a future show, but uh, that sound can only mean one thing. Oh, no. Yeah, I hate it when that happens. Yes, folks, another episode of your favorite podcast in the world, Bloodthirsty Vegetarians, has ended. This is Rich Wilgus. And I'm Paul Potts. And you can check us out on the web at www.bloodyveg.com. And our feedback, too, feedback at bloodyveg.com.
1: Voicemail number. Oh, oh yeah, I do have that handy.
0: 206-376-0397. So... Hopefully, uh, we'll uh, check you on the next time. See you later. Take care, all. Bye-bye.